pandemic has truly been a historical disruptor. That's clear to everybody. It's no new news there. There's so many things that we know about it, including the staggering number of lives lost. We also feel the disruption in the way we think about school, jobs, um, the suspension of family interactions, and so on. We really won't know how disruptive it has been until future historians, quite frankly, can analyze it and put it into perspective. But I've seen through our next guest as to how learning, continuous learning, intentional learning, exploration, and creativity, and just putting yourself out there, quite frankly, can be powerful forms of resilience. Our next guest is a leader of an important purpose-driven organization, Chicago's Jackie Robinson West Little League. His family founded the organization and he was the executive director for 25 years. I will add that my father served as the chairman of the board throughout the 80s and the early 90s. Um, the league, for the first time in its 50 years, had to suspend its operations during the pandemic for safety reasons and very understandable. So what happens when not just a job goes away, but your life's work is put on hold. Your family's legacy work is put on hold. What do you do? Well, Bill Haley, who's a lifelong friend, has surprised me and many others with the newly discovered talent for photography. Who knew? Through his photos, which are creating a buzz on social media, he's providing not just great art, but also a view of Chicago that's kind of hidden in plain sight. On this episode, Bill and I will walk through some of those photos, talk about what he's discovered about himself, and the story he's trying to tell about the city of Big Shoulders. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Parlay in All Blue. So, Bill Haley, welcome to the Parlay in All Blue. How you doing? I'm doing well. And you? Thanks for having me, bro. Oh, man. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'm I'm doing good, too. Glad you're well. Glad you're safe. Glad you're healthy and all of those things. Can't believe, you know, that it's, it's you know, we're already in fall or what have you. But so good to have you. Absolutely, man. Congratulations on uh, launching the podcast. I know this is something you've been working on for, for a while now. And uh, I'm glad you got it up and running. And I wish you all the success. So far, so good. The success is actually, and I, I don't mean this in a, a hallmark kind of way, but just e and even doing it and attempting it and just the process of learning and talking to interesting people, interesting people that I've known for years like you, people that are meeting, um, giving voice to other things. And, and you know, just listen, uh, for whatever people get out of it, I'm getting more out of it just by just by by doing it. So I appreciate that. Outstanding. During the introduction, it's 50 years for Jackie Robinson West. 50 years for our volunteer organization, community based. It's just been so many families, so many sponsors, so many kids that have been affected. And, and, and when I hear the number 50 years, it it registers with me. And I've been here for every every day of the 50 years. It's uh two plus generations of people who have been affected. I think one thing that people miss a lot is we, all, we always focus on the effect that it has on the kids, but participating in an organization like Jackie Robinson West really has a profound uh, effect on adults also. People have so much to give and uh, sometimes without an organization, individuals are really, really entirely powerless. But if you're part of an organization, it's just so much easier to have an, an impact. So first off, I can attest to that because, you know, it's no secret to people who know me personally. Jackie Robinson West is a huge part of who I am, but not just who I am. I mean, my father, mother, my niece, Tia, was uh, Miss Jackie Robinson. So it's more um, than baseball. Just, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's way more than baseball. And, and, and I always tell people, and I'm going to ask you this like seven times over the course of the interview. What about Chicago? <laughs> and, and the thing that I always, you know, the first thing that I think of is, is that I don't know what you're talking about. 
But at the same time, I do know what you're talking about. You know, the, the headlines or what have you. And it's real. I don't want to diminish anybody's family who's experienced that tragedy or anybody who has, you know, fear or anything like that. So I don't want to gloss past it. But I think that the what about Chicago is actually it's why don't we have more Jackie Robinson West organizations? And I don't care whether it's baseball, whether it's dance, music or whatever. I think that a big part of why the area surrounding Jackie Robinson West continues to thrive and family still continue to be a part of the league is because of the institution there that's serving, like you said, not just children, but families. It's a, it's a cultural, it's a cultural institution. It's crazy because it's athletics, it's baseball, but I think of it as really more of a cultural institution that is uh, on the South side. So congratulations on those uh, 50 years. And uh, I know that, so with, Within that 50 years, what did you all do during the pandemic? How did that that shape out in terms of activity? So our 2020 season was completely canceled. Uh, we had no activity during uh, 2020 as the season was scheduled to begin. February, March was really, really a, a, a hot time for COVID. And uh, just based on the direction that we received from Little League Baseball, community health, people that we lean on it was decided in the in the best interest of everyone not to have a season, which was really, really quite an adjustment for the kids, for the parents, for the volunteers, but in, in the interest of safety. So this is pre-vaccine. So in the interest of safety, yeah. 2020 did not have, we did not have a season, but 2021 was an outstanding season. The season that just concluded was an outstanding season. Yeah. Why, why you say so? What, what made 2021 outstanding? So in, in 2016, Todd Prince came on as our league president Glenn and Sharon Haley are board members, and they provide outstanding leadership for the organization. 2016, we re-entered the teenage divisions. We, we, we were back engaging with teenage kids. And on the other end, at the T-ball level, four, five, and six, we really had an outstanding turnout. So we, we were able to reach down at the bottom to include more kids. At the teenage level, uh, we included more kids, which we had not been involved in in a few years. And uh, we were just able to make a really good impact in 2021. Kids won the state championship, 12 and 13 years, years old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, congratulations. A lot of people were geeked about that. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. A lot of people geeked about that on the field. You could see a lot of things happening. Kind of behind the scenes, we brought in a gentleman's name is Greg McClure, who helped us out with a lot of our processes, registration, a lot of, a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't see. But I think the parents really benefited from his inclusion on our board this year. And uh, things just got back to normal. So we were really, really proud of 2021. 50 years, man. Quite a quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So having to say, you know, just a founding uh, a past executive director, 25 years, a member of the founding family and somebody who's been involved in day one, there is a piece of this that. Much like LL Cool J was the first artist on Def Jam, you were the first player in Jackie Robinson West, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, my dad and I were watching baseball. We were watching uh, Lloyd McClendon yep. in the Little League World Series. He played on a oh, wow. team from Gary, Indiana. Yeah, they were playing in the Little League World Series, and, and you know, I told my dad, you know, I'd like to play Little League. And, and at that time, there was no Little League program in our area. And so this solution to that was to start a Little League program, um, 1970, 1971. And uh, fast forward, here we are today, 50 years. Yeah. And so my family joined in and um, we joined 76 in Bicentennial. And I think the first time that uh, we played you all, you remember we coming out of Euclid Park and the Indians with my father. And we played you all the Dodgers at Mount Vernon. And I know I didn't hit the field that day. And my dad was the coach. Did you play? Absolutely not. <laughs> we don't do that anymore, though. There's no more just riding the bench anymore, is it? No, no, no. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, things have to change. But uh, I, I did feel like a full participant on that team. Oh, yeah. When, when I looked at the guys and I think about the guys that they were a little older than me, I – I really didn't have any expectation to play. 
but it was still a great experience. Now, me, me neither, but it was it was all good. But, you know, listen, I do want to ask you if you can come back sometime, maybe closer to spring or next summer to talk more about the, the league in and of itself, because really what I want to, to get into is, is that the pandemic has been been it, to say, you know, their terms of unprecedented, unprecedented in terms of disruption, loss of life, illness, people lost businesses, a lot of people lost connections or what have you. It's it's almost like we, we, we need about 20 or 30 years to put it in perspective because it's ongoing. But everything we see, I think there are things that are being revealed beneath the surface, whether it's, you know, the way people feel about work, mental health, and so many things that are, are changing that it's hard to put in perspective right now. But the one thing that I, I did notice is that some people, and I think you're really one of these, especially somebody who's in a leadership role and, and doing something that's not just something that you would be doing for pay. Like you said, the league is all volunteer, but really is mission work and your family's work. It's your family's contribution to not just that area, but to Chicago, I would say, is that you seem to thrive as a person through the pandemic while having lost, like you said, you didn't, there wasn't even games or practice or any sort of events during 2020. You seem to thrive by finding other places to project your energy and your imagination and what have you. And it really shows with the photos, my brother. I mean, the photos, when you first started posting them on Instagram I was saying, man, Bill's really on to something. But, you know, what do I know, right? I'm thinking it's, you know, this is me. But then I saw other people and, you know, friends of ours would be texting, man, Bill's, what's up with the photos? He's this, that, and other. And then I noticed people that are outside outside of the Jackie Robinson West circle commenting on them and, and really engaged and, and what have you. And uh, I know that you have some commercial opportunities with them or what have you. So it's just been really impressive with the photos. How did you, how did you get into that? So, so this is, this is a, just about a year now when I, I, uh, I was going through the photos for, for this opportunity. And I noticed it was in October of last year that, you know, they really started to appear on Instagram yeah. And so when, when the pandemic started, I was I was really in the, in the gym. I was, I was doing well. And so that, of course, closed. And so to um, kind of replace the activity that I, w- that I had in the gym, I started walking Okay, long distances throughout the city. The city is incredibly walkable. It's a huge city. But I mean, you can you can go to just about any neighborhood on at any, any time and see what you need to see. And and as I was doing this walking. So this is daily. This is daily, sometimes an hour, sometimes even more. I would always have my phone with me and I just started to capture the images and it just kind of started there. And then I started to share them on Instagram. And like you said, I started getting positive engagement, positive feedback. It became a creative outlet for me. It became something, something that I've been doing every day of my life since I was six or seven years old. JRW was no longer there. And it it just sort of filled a a void for me. It's, It's a really nice creative outlet. And then the more I did it, the more I began to enjoy it. And, uh, and, and that's sort of sort of where we are now. Yeah. So it's a, a couple of things I want to um, want to drill in a little bit on that is one. Congratulations to you for finding an avenue to take care of your your sort of physical health during the uh, the time. And I think that, listen, I can always do more. We always we all can always do more on that front. But I, I walking is such a powerful and easy way to sort of stay active. But uh, you mentioned going through the city of Chicago and you said something that most people would just not get back to that. What about Chicago question? It being incredibly walkable and then going from neighborhood to neighborhood. That's something that people, you know, in the media, I don't want to blame the media. I don't, just with people's perception of the city is that it's not walkable, you know, you can't get out, you can't be mobile or anything, but your experience, your lived experience, and uh, now, unless you're rolling with, you know, the whole uh, death row, 
you know, street team. I, I, do you would you got do you got security with you or, or no? I'm, I'm not no security. Um, I, I remember Jada Kiss was describing a, a situation with Mike Tyson, and um, they asked uh, Jada Kiss how many people did Mike Tyson with him had with him, and, and Jada said, "Man, Mike was dolo." <laughs> there it is. It's just me. I'm, I'm running into people. People are biking. People are walking. Certainly jogging. It's a lot of people that are doing the same thing. Awesome. Well, listen, man. Let's um, let's get into a, a few of them and let's just talk about them because I think there's a, a couple of things that, for me, that began to unfold over time is is that, and I know you love the city. I know you love the city, but I think you are telling a story through your photos about the city that is, on the one hand, it's unique to you, but I think people are really resonating. So I think the best way to do it is to just go through the uh, photos. And preparing for the interview, I had a couple picked out, but then you dropped one yesterday. It says some nice fall colors. It looks like a harbor. Where Where is that one? Where can you describe it? So this is on the Lakefront Trail. Um, this is a, at about 31st Street, and it's an area that's called the Burnham Centennial Prairie. And this is my favorite place to um, capture photography. Um, there's always a lot of people there. It's an active spot. You have the water. You have the nature, the green spaces. This is a really, really alive place. It's, it's, it's always vibrant. And this particular spot right here is an elevated spot. So it gives me the opportunity to catch the wildflowers, which which uh, the, the foliage, which is kind of turning brown. I can catch the water. And in the back, I can catch the skyline. It's kind of hazy, but it was just a hazy day yesterday morning. So on the trail, this is my favorite spot. It's kind of tucked away. Um, you have to actually leave the trail to get to this elevated spot. And I've taken this exact same picture in, in every season. I've taken this in uh, winter, spring. In the summer, when it's when everything is green and vibrant, and and then yesterday is uh, the image which you have here, which is which is golden, which is brown, and, and that's what that is. So, so one thing is that you said it was a hazy day. So you 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 are. It seems like you're just taking it as it is, meaning not waiting for the perfect day to take pictures or what have you. Is this something that you're doing daily? It's just what's the frequency. Right. So now I'm at the point where I, I am taking um, photographs daily. Most of the time I'm walking. I, I would say 95 percent of the time I'm walking. There have been times that I, I've taken uh, photos from the car and there have been times I've gotten out of the car. But most of the time I'm walking. And so this particular image, when I first started out, I had a, a really uh, different idea about what made a good photograph. I would be waiting for a moment to happen. OK. And my son, Adam, really helped me with this to, to, to identify that there's beauty in everything, that if you just slow down a bit, that it's right there in front of you. So, so when I first started, I would be waiting for something to happen, an eagle to fly down into the water and scoop up a fish or, or something dramatic, a car chase, uh, some type of an event, when actually what I learned from my son, Adam, was that the, that the beauty and the images are right there in front of you. You know, what's what's powerful about that is is the intergenerational learning, you know, and definitely, you know, he's an adult now. Right. At this point, learning, you know, it's a different parental relationship when someone becomes an adult. But that whole idea, there's beauty in everything. And I think one of the things that really causes people anxiety or, you know, just a lot of worry or to sort of miss out on the moments is not, is just that not being in the moment. Has that played out in any other areas that you've noticed and sort of being able to be in the moment in that way? Does that make sense? Oh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. So, so a photo like this, this particular photo is going to change every day. It's going to change if it's a cloudy day, if it's a sunny day. Um, if, if there's wildlife in the area, if there are other people in the area. So this particular spot, this this photo is going to be different every day. All right. All right. So not to, to give you whiplash, but I pulled up another one here on the screen. And I think this is one where you have gotten a lot of sort of um, engagement with this sort of man. It's brother in white right here. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this is one of my favorite photographs. So I, I use my phone for photography. I, I use an iPhone for photography. 
This is 63rd in Cottage Grove, Southside. It's in front of Daly's Restaurant. It's one of the oldest restaurants in the city. Great soul food place, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Super popular place. So I'm, I'm driving on 63rd, and I see this gentleman. He's standing there at the bus stop wearing this outfit. White hat, white top, white jeans, white gym shoes, and, in, and a white umbrella. And uh, there's not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. There's not yeah. a cloud in the sky. Right. At, at this at this time, totally unbothered, totally comfortable with, with, with everything that he's doing. And, and so I, I really rushed to try to get the photograph before the light changed. I had to move on. And I always felt if I had asked him to pose for this photo, if this was an, an arranged photo shoot, it could not have been any better. Right. He got it. He's, he's triple he, triple white. He's actually quadruple white because I'm going to say, listen, the shoes, pants, shirt looks like the backpack is white. Hat is white, umbrellas white, and uh, it's a it's a great photo, and I, I can see why people uh, really engage with that one. I'm gonna go to another one. So, so the last thing on this one before you move. So this is all white everything. I, so then when I get back, um, I get back home and I kind of go through the photos. I can see his reflection in the uh, restaurant glass. I can also see the reflection of my car taking the the photo. So it's really. Mm-hmm. Not just him, but the photo itself is really, you know, kind of layered. Yeah. Okay. Hold on one second, Bill. I'm jumping around a little bit, and that's okay. Right here. Where is this? Do you see this on your screen? The bridge. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. What What's going on there? So this is early spring. This is early spring of 2021. Sharon and I took a trip down to Jackson Park. It was a, the time of year that the cherry blossoms were really in full bloom. It's, it's really quite a thing to see down in Jackson Park. And this is one of the bridges in, in uh, Jackson Park. So this is her favorite photo. I've really been fortunate that I've been able to go out and take photographs with everybody in the family. Adam, is, so he has the Light Media Studios. He's a professional photographer. So this is this is really his field. I've been out with Adam. I've been out several times with Jessica. In this particular photo, I was out with Sharon. She has this photo hanging on her office wall. And this is this is one of the stone bridges in Jackson Park, which is a really, really historic area on the south side of Chicago, dating all the way back to the World's Fair, 1893. So this is this is really a, a nice shot. Yeah. So Jackson Park is a gym in the city of Chicago. And I have to admit to somebody who is a Chicagoan by birth. And family still lives there, what have you. I don't remember spending any time there, but when I became really sort of aware of it, was really through the the, the book "Devil in the White City," which mm. talked about mm. the Columbian World's Fair in uh, 1893, mm-hmm. and I, I I really think that with Jackson Park, it is an underappreciated space within the city. And by underappreciated, I, you know, I don't know how much traffic you see in there now, especially with the, the pandemic, but really the story behind what it took to, to build it out, you know, and, and, you know, it hosted the fairgrounds itself and all of those things. I, I, I just don't, it's someplace that I think in the city, a lot of people don't talk enough about. Right, so this is right off 63rd and Stony Island. This is in the heart of the South Side. This is not tucked away. It's right there. Golf course. It has the Japanese gardens, which were also um, built during the uh, 1893 World's Fair. The whole landscape of Jackson Park has, has changed recently within the last two or three two or three weeks. I think it was three weeks ago that ground was broken for the uh, Obama Library. Okay. President Obama Library, which is going to be an absolutely huge space. And if Jackson Park was underappreciated before, it won't be much longer because it'll be a, a worldwide, it'll be a world, one of the city's uh, greatest tourist attractions. The 1893 World's Fair is really huge in Chicago's history. So this is like 20 years after the fire, 20 years after the Chicago fire. And it was the World's Fair that really, I think, kind of projected Chicago into being a world city, a world class city. Yeah, no, it really did. And there was a lot of doubt, especially coming out of the East Coast. You know, New York, Boston, Philly were established cities was whether Chicago could even pull it off. Right. So that was one thing. I think also at the World's Fair, there's something that goes under told 
is Black Folks at the World's Fair, right? So like I said, it was a great book, Devil in the White City. And the white city meaning all of the buildings were white and they were gleaming white. And so it's this sort of structure within the city, in a city within the city. But Frederick Douglass was there. Ida B. Wells was there. And they really teamed up with the Haitian delegation, right, to have their own sort of exhibits and to talk about the stories and the conditions of Black folks in America at that time. So let's, but we're going to move on a little bit. Let's go to, I want to go here, right here to Lorraine Hansberry. Yes, yes, yes. Lorraine Hansberry, Chicagoan. She wrote Raisin in the Sun. Talk to me about this photo. So this is in Bronzeville. This is 51st Street, a few blocks um, east of King Drive. I spent a lot of time in Bronzeville because it's such a historic area. It's really a lot of striking images, a lot of public art in Bronzeville. So this is uh, Lorraine Hansberry, uh, just one of the most amazingly beautiful women I've ever seen. The mural is kind of worn now. It's kind of worn and it's it's really ironic to see her to see her face and with the surrounding things. It's just kind of jarring. Her her beauty and, and then the uh the stores there have kind of fallen on bad times. It's, it's it's really they're really vacant. And just below there that there's a lady walking, she has on her mask. So that the area we still have people there. That there's a demand justice sign on one of the storefronts, red, black, and green. But uh the Clearly, the main thing here is Lorraine Hansberry in this photograph. You and I visited the site, and when you see it in person, it just jumps out at you. She's, of course, known for raising in the sun. And, and so while you and I are there, we were there with our wives, you mentioned it. She's actually the inspiration for the song uh, Young, Gifted, and Black. Young, Gifted, and Black is about Lorraine Hansberry by Nina Simone. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Her, her dad was a huge, huge, hugely influential person here in Chicago prior to her. So uh, it's just something that I, I really felt strongly about. And uh, I took some time to really try to capture this image the best I could. Yeah. One thing uh, also, um, just another good book for Chicagoans, uh, Natalie Moore's Southside. I didn't know the story. Her dad, Carl Hansberry, forced in and of himself. I mean, he, he, he should have his own mural, right? in terms of the dignity in his fight for housing and yes. access to housing and housing integration. So I, I really like, I like that one a whole lot. We're going to go to another one. I think it's, I hope it's on this panel right here, this monument. Talk to me about this monument. So this is the Ida B. Wells National Monument. It was dedicated in June of this summer. This is down on 37th and Langley. So we, we're still in, in the Bronzeville area. Ida B. Wells actually lived in this area. This monument or this sculpture is by, I believe the gentleman's name is Richard Hunt. So this was a major, a major unveiling back in June of this summer. Um, this is a, another spot that you and I were able to visit together. And uh, it's just something I wanted to capture. I think we both had a similar idea about Ida B. Wells growing up in Chicago, just not knowing, just not really not knowing the entire story. And when you mentioned Ida B. Wells to us coming up, it, it was, uh, we just didn't know, you know, we just didn't know. Nah, you know, so I will, I will say it. And again, listen, I, I always tell people, especially as it relates to, I, I love history. I absolutely love black history and all of those things, but, there are so many people that you just aren't aware of or, or their path or what have you. But Ida B. Wells, when I was growing up, the name was associated with pretty hard time sort of public housing area where, you know, there'd be a lot of crime activities or just things that you wanted to avoid. And I have to tell you, and, I, and, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm also not ashamed because you don't know what you don't know, is I just did not associate this woman's bravery, her dignity, her intellect, her fight, or any of that. She did not seem like someone, well, first off, I didn't even know why they named it that or what have you. And so... It wasn't until really an adult 
that I became aware of who she who she was and what her legacy in terms of anti-lynching, a pioneer in the black press and in, in investigative journalism, women's suffrage. I mean, she is a, a complete powerhouse that just completely unaware of. And I could go on about this, right? Because Robert Taylor, Robert Taylor Holmes, had no idea is a black architect. It's actually Valerie Jarrett's, I don't know, grandfather or father, but it's a dignified man, Ivy League graduate, an architect. So much of the public infrastructure, especially when it seems to be named for and after, before, for black folks, it just seems to get neglected. It just seems to get neglected. And then we have this fight to maintain pristine images of people like Beauregard, somebody who you can't even shoot straight. Somebody who lost, like Beauregard or, or Robert E. Lee or what have you. And we have the, this, this inverse of people who actually really contributed to humanity and to the country, you know, are often neglected. So I was happy that, happy to see this monument going up. And I know Nicole Hannah-Jones, so her, her Twitter handle was Ida Bay Wells, right, was, I don't want to say behind this. I know she was a big supporter of this and brought a lot of attention to it. Because I think the family has definitely has been put for this for a while. So locally, Ida uh, B. Wells' great granddaughter is Michelle Duster. Okay. And she's been absolutely a tireless fighter as far as preserving the legacy and also teaching about the legacy of Ida B. Wells. Michelle Duster and, and the family have, um, there, there are two other markers within the Bronzeville area of, for Ida B. Wells and Michelle Duster has been really, really, um, she's really done some important work about preserving the legacy and teaching about who Ida B. Wells really was. Incredibly courageous woman. Yeah. And I would say to anybody, you should go down and check it out. The, the, that what's, what's the name of the park? Where, where, where's that park? Is there a name? It's really not a park. It's more like a midway. It's not okay. exactly a park. It's more like a, a midway in the middle of the street. And it just says, this is at 37th and Langley in the Bronzeville area. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go to another one here. I have so many that I want to talk about is share and trying to, trying to pick, I don't even know if I'm necessarily picking the best, but just some stories that want to, to go through. Let's go. I think it is on this panel, Bill. Maybe, maybe not. It's you and your mom. It's Freddie Hopkins. Let me go back. I am looking for, maybe you can help me on this. I'm looking for what I call the hammock. Okay. Okay. That that would be. Uh, that There it is. There it is. All right. This, this is one of my um, favorite photos, again, down on the Lakefront Trail. This is at about 26th Street. And I call this one, some of them actually gave titles. I call this one. Unplug to reconnect. This is a couple. So the first thing, this is the middle of January. This is January in Chicago. My interpretation, we have a couple who have ridden their bikes out to the lakefront and not just ridden their bikes out to the lakefront. They bought a hammock out that they strung up on the trees and they're just facing the lakefront. And they they just, in my interpretation of this photograph is that they took time out. They were intentional about taking time out to reconnect. And so that's where I come up with the title on Unplug to Reconnect. That's January in Chicago. You would never know that. I like that one a lot. We'll go to another one here. And I think I should be able to get to it pretty quickly because we just saw it. All right. Here's where I want to go. Right here. This photo. Who is this? Where is this? This is 47th and Langley at the 47th Street Metro Station. This is at a viaduct. So this is a under a bridge, under a railroad bridge. And this is Jean Baptiste Point du Sable, a Haitian native. And he's significant because he was the first non-Indigenous settler to Chicago. There are quite a few things, uh, a couple places in Chicago that are named after him. We have DuSable High School. There's a a bust or a monument of uh, of him down at the Riverwalk on Michigan Avenue. Just recently, just this summer, the city council voted to rename Lakeshore Drive, which is a 26-mile 26, 26 expressway along the lakefront after DuSable. So it's now DuSable Lakeshore Drive. 
this is a really great mural. It's kind of tucked away, but it's, but it's still prominent. And then this is something I really wanted to take some time to kind of capture and then, and then share. So I want to um, say here, and this is, listen, this is my thing. And so you all who are listening just have to bear with it. You know, the things, what we name things and who we name them after matters. And if you think about any other city, major city, international city like Chicago, and it's founded by an African, whether he was in, in Haiti or Mississippi or Cuba is, you know, that's a, just a, a matter of sort of which language, whether you've been speaking French, Spanish or English or what have you. But this is an amazing accomplishment that is undertold. It's so much that is, it's so little that's known about Dusabo. And from my understanding, his first sort of journaling about being in Chicago and the, the founding was in 1790. So he could have been there and founded the city as a trading post in 1788, 1789. We don't know because it's just, just not enough records, but we do know that he founded the city. What to me, I think what people need to understand is that we have to elevate and tell these stories. And by we, I'm not even talking about, I don't care what ethnicity or what label you put on yourself. We have to be committed to giving out good history and and talking about who did what and talking about it accurately. I will say one thing about this and I'm going to move on. You mentioned a couple of things so far and do you know the four stars that are on the Chicago flag? Do you know what they're for? No, I don't. Okay. All right. So the four stars are on the flag, and I'm going somewhere with this because I need need you all who are Chicago residents right now to, to get this corrected. The first one is it's four stars. One is for Fort Dearborn being established in 1803. Now, understand that's a good 13 years after DuSables founded the city. Then the Great Fire in 1871. The Columbian Exposition in 1893. We talked about that with Jackson Park. And then the fourth star is for the Century of Progress Exposition, the Expo in 1933. I have a proposal, and I'm dead serious about this. There should be a star for... Dusable in its founding in 1790. And then there should be a sixth star for the great migration of Black folks from the South to Chicago from 1915 to 1970, which greatly changed the landscape of not just the city, but the country. But Chicago is particularly affected by that. And I think that, so I'm saying, and I'm so serious about this, yeah, we need to get all the names correct, but it's more that we need to get correct. We need six stars on the flag. So uh, Chicagoans, you all get that one done. And I'm going to move on to another photo. So, you know, it's not just for me. I'm going to go to one that I think is important because you talked about just walking through the city. And I am going to go here for a minute. Bill, where is this? So this is uh, Mount Vernon School, Mount Vernon School Playground. This is the elementary school that I attended. So this is one of the first. This is the fall of uh, 2020. This is one of the first photos that I took that I felt good enough or confident enough to share. This is the playground. A lot of great memories here, good and bad, on an on elementary school playground, as, as you can imagine. And this is a fall day. School, so the school is closed now. This is during COVID. So there no, this is remote learning. There's no school, no students in the building, no teachers in the building. So for me, it's kind of like taking a step back. I can vividly remember things that happened on this playground. This is a morning. Uh, you can tell it's, it's, uh, a rain has just ended. It, it's, it had rained on the playground. And this is something I wanted to take some time to capture. This is one of the first photos that I took. Yeah. And, you know, so... I would say this is a chamber of commerce photo, you know, (laughs) you know, you you know, the thing is, is that what I think your photo is doing, we talked about this is they tell a story about the city and give it images to it. And it's, it's not made up. You say you're just taking it as it is. 
an idyllic city, a wholesomeness to it, a certain beauty to it that I think is missed even by people who are there all the time. Like you talked about earlier, just being present and being in the moment. So wanted to get to that one. And we're going to do one more and we're going to transition. And I am going to go and I'm calling this one is I know it's under the pink line, this one, which I think is that's the pink line, right? Under the pink line. Right. This is the pink line. Uh, this is right near the United Center. So this is on the west side of Chicago. This is uh, this is not usually a, a place where I, I do photographs. A lot of the photographs that we talked about or that we went through were sort of spontaneous. Just kind yeah. of walked up on it. This one really took some planning. This photograph clearly have the L trains going by. This is evening. So this is uh, late September, September 21st, September 22nd. And it happens during a it's a celestial phenomenon that's called Chicago Hinge. I've never heard Chicago of that. streets are set up on a on an absolute grid system, east, west, north, and south. During this Chicago Hinge period, the sunset and also the sunrise, this happens to be a sunset picture. The sunset and the sunrise lines up exactly with the Chicago east and west streets. Mm. So you can really get some dramatic photos for these two or three days. This is the final day of a Chicago Hinge in, in September. The first two days were completely overcast. So there was no opportunity to catch a sunrise or sunset photo. So this is a photo that I have really wanted to capture. It had been weeks that I wanted to do this. So this really kind of took some plan and I had to go, go out west, out west 290. So this particular photo, I'm stand, actually standing in the, in the middle of the street. This is a busy street. This is Washington Boulevard leading into the loop. So it took a bit of planning it, it, for things to come together, waiting for the L train to come over. You know, the sunset is a quick thing. Seven, eight minutes in, in, the, in the photograph and the opportunity is lost. So I really did plan this one out. I wanted to be in this particular spot because I, I felt that I could get right there in the middle of the street. And the things really came together. And I even before I got home to take a look at the photo, I felt really good about the possibilities of this one. Awesome, man. I saw this one and I was blown away. It's it's like a postcard when I saw it. And, and I like the way you post them, post the photos on uh, the social media and music behind it really gives it a move. But this one was really good. I, I mean, it's thank you, uh, thank you. Thank you. If you sell, if you start making prints or what have you, I got to have one of this. This is a, okay. no awesome doubt. photo. No doubt. Awesome photo. And I noticed the reaction of a lot of people really with this photo. So this shows, uh, to me, a culmination of your journey and, and just the skill level that you've acquired over the time. I mean, just the understanding yourself and being present in those things you talk about, but the, then the, just the skill level and, and like you said, the science behind it. So so awesome. So I'm going to ask you something. If you, if you can sit tight and then we're going to come back for a segment with some questions that we ask all our guests. So you're on the spot, you're on the hook. Just uh, sit tight for a minute, and uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to go through the closers. All right? Okay. Okay. And we are back. So, Bill, you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's go. Let's all go. Right, what what okay. do you have for me? Let's go. All right. So the pillars of pillars of the parlay in all blue, it's leadership, history, culture, and living well. What does it mean to live well? I think there's several components that need to be present for for a person to live well, I think the most important is is to have a spiritual component to your life, to be connected to something that's bigger than you are. I think that's really important. Uh, Life can throw curveballs at you. Um, You can't figure everything out. Being a person of faith or being a person of of a certain type of discipline, I I think is a really important aspect of a spiritual component. We hear a lot about mental health now, mental challenges. Just my experience as African-Americans dealing with mental challenges is something that's really new for us. We hear a lot about physical health and, and things like that, physical fitness. But I think it's really important to, um, to to maintain our mental health, our emotional stability. I think physical fitness is really important. Just find a way to move, find a way to, to kind of clean up our diets just, just a bit. It can be small changes and to build into something else. I started out with the walking because that was natural for me. But when I got out there walking, there are people biking. My brother's a, a really, really uh, avid biker. 
there are people out there that are jogging. I know some people that just com completed the marathon this weekend. So I think there's a component of physical fitness that needs to be present with living well. And, and for me, my parents were excellent role models of volunteer service. That's this one thing that I, they're, they're educators by, by trade, really connected to their church, Beth Eden Baptist Church. Of course, Jackie Robinson West, also the Richard C. Haley Scholarship Foundation. So I think another component of living well would be just try to benefit someone else's life, try to uh, be in service to someone else, try to make some changes. That's awesome. That makes me think of uh, Jesse Jackson's opening at Watt Stacks in 72. He t has this thing, he talks about different music, but he mentions whether you listen to jazz, blues or whatever, or Jimmy Jones singing someone bigger than you and I. So that's awesome. The spiritual component in the service and, and you're so right about the health. Before we get into, so now I appreciate that answer and uh, I, you know, that gives me some things to reflect on. But before we get into more shenanigans now, because that was a question that we, you know, we wanted to get some revelation or some elevation and you brought that. But what is the Richard C. Haley Scholarship Fund? My mom and dad founded the Richard C. Haley Scholarship Foundation in 1987 in memory of my of our my younger brother, Richard. He passed away during his freshman year at Northern Illinois University, uh, 1987. So this is the 35th year of the Richard C. Haley Scholarship Foundation. To date, the Scholarship Foundation has awarded close to $600,000 in financial aid to at least 300 students. Some of the students have been recurring like four year recipients. And it's something that we're really proud of. My mom is, is uh, that's, that's her baby. She's really proud of it. She's actually in the process right now of uh, concluding the fundraising and uh, the recipients for 2021 have been selected. Annually, we usually have an annual luncheon where we uh, recognize the recipients. But this year, due to COVID, we're not going to have the luncheon. We may do something virtual. But uh, it's just, just another another volunteer organization that uh, that the family is, is really excited about. That's awesome. And talk to me about your podcast. You, you're, you're, you're with you and Bo Rap. Yeah. During the pandemic, during COVID, we started a podcast called Chicagoland Baseball Chronicles, where we seek out and we seek to tell the stories, undertold stories of black baseball players from Chicago. Some people who have excelled at, at a high school or college level. We had a uh, some people have gone on to the major leagues. We're looking forward to starting season two in the next few weeks. We got we have Bo Rab is quite a renaissance man here in Chicago, and he's lined up some incredible, incredible guests. One major league manager. You know, I don't want to give it all away, but he has some incredible. Yeah, no, guests. I got you. I got and, you. Uh, we're going to so, be starting season two pretty soon. Chicago Land Baseball Chronicles. All right, we'll drop that in our show notes. So now on to the shenanigans. All right, all right. So. I hear you on all of that about, you know, let's eat right and what have you. One of your photos is of uh, of a Herald and everybody from Chicago. I think everybody who's ever even thought about going to Chicago knows Harold's fried chicken. Yes. Yes. But if you're from Chicago, you know that there is all the Herald's aren't created equal. No, no, no. All right. So where is the Herald's? What is the go-to Heralds in Chicago? So that's a complicated answer. The go-to Heralds is at 87th and the Dan Ryan, 87th and the Red Line. However, during COVID, the restaurant closed. The gentleman, uh, the owner, went public and said that the uh, the leaseholder just increased their rent to incredible rates. So he actually closed the restaurant down. I do understand that they're on the other side of the Dan Ryan now operating out of a gas station. And they also have the uh, food truck that's parked at 87th and the Dan Ryan. Okay. So you can find him in a couple different spots. 103rd and Halstead is on the list for a lot of people. 127th and Halstead is on the list for a lot of people. 91st and Ashland. It's, it's quite a few places. Everybody has their own favorite, but 87th and the Ryan was, was a cut above. All right. Okay. All right. 87th and Ryan for Harold's. Okay. House music. Mm. Chicago. So, you know, listen, I, I, is, there, is anybody disputing whether, you know, house music originated in Chicago or not? That's not a, an actual thing, is it? It's not, open for the, it's not even open for, the, it's for not, debate. It's not open. There's no debate. one that's serious about things that's disputing that, right? I right. don't think so. Okay. So we, we'll move on past that. So having said that, 
if someone had not heard of house music before, didn't know what it sounded like or what have you, give me one song that you would point them to that would capture the sound and the feeling of house. Yeah, that, that's an easy one for me. Um, there's a group out of Philly, uh, First Choice, who made a song in 1977, 1978. This is a girl group, three three singers, and the name of the song is, is Let No Man Put Asunder. Okay. Let no man put asunder. Let no man put asunder. If if that song is played, that would be like a universal, universal anthem here for Chicago. Everybody would have their own favorite, but I don't think you could dispute that that would be the sound of house music. That would be if you had to put that put a song in a in a bottle, that would be the song. All right. Okay. And then the the last one, Chicago MCs. Which MC best captures the city to you? Well, it, it's common. It's common sense. Common. Um, it's, it's, it's common. It, it's common. Um, okay. It's common. All right. Well, you know what, Bill? We want to thank you so much uh, for sharing your your work and your time. And man, all the best to Jackie Robinson West. Keep taking those photos. Keep posting. Where can people find them on Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is William W I L underscore L I A M. H-A-L-E-Y, William Haley is, is my Instagram. Uh, I usually post every couple of days or when I have something that's that's worthy. And uh, yeah, I, lo- I love people to check it out, engage with me. And uh, yeah. All right, man. We appreciate you. All the best. Thank you for joining the parlay. Man, thank you. Thank you. All right. We appreciate you here at the Parlay in All Blue. Please tell someone about us. Share the podcast. Make sure you leave a comment. You can find the Parlay in All Blue at Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, or Stitcher. Wherever you receive your podcast, you can find us there. Make sure that you add us as a favorite. Follow us or subscribe. Whatever it is you need to do to make sure that you're plugged in. We want to say a big thanks to DJ Market G for allowing us to use his music exclusively on our podcast. We appreciate it, bro. Much love. Thank you again. I'm out.